0: Yeah, I like I was like sleeping through so many alarms because I was like up late writing. Mm. And then my sister's here and she was like, bitch, didn't you say that you were gonna wake up at nine? And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> I was like, my alarm's gonna go off at nine thirty. She was like, Bitch, it's ten thirty. I was like, What? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oh god. I was like, Okay, hold on, let me uh let me get my life together.
1: Episode of the What is Black podcast, the podcast where we break down what it means to be a black creative and weirdo in an attempt to defy the myth of a black monolith and have dope conversations with each other in the process. Given that this is the first episode of the podcast, I thought a lot about doing or starting anything for the first time. That shit is nerve wracking. The level of anxiety of putting your foot forward onto an untried path or diving into the deep end for the first time when you're learning how to swim. Side note, much like the stereotype implies I can't swim and I hate the water because I sink like a rock, that's more about not having access to pools and swimming lessons as a kid in the middle of a city, but we won't get into that. Instead, I'd like to get into the most important first of all my firsts, the first time a white person ever called me a nigger with the hardest of ERs. My friends and I were walking down the street after school. This was in high school, so we were all about idiot teenage aged, and we were walking to some idiot teenage destination, most likely. There's a parkway that runs adjacent to the road my high school is on, and a car actually slowed down on the parkway to scream,
0: NIGGERS,
1: out of the passenger side window before speeding off. I played Dungeons and Dragons, so by default, you know we were all weirdo nerds and wild diverse. My one friend, a mixed race dude, had asked, what did he say? To which another friend, black, replied, oh nothing, just some racist calling us niggers. To which we all kind of laughed off and chuckled. At that point, I had never been called a nigger with the hard ER by a white person before, and judging by my reaction, I was already used to it. So, I'm driving down a metaphorical highway, and at you, I yell, niggers. I do this because this may be the first time many of you listening, and I'm speaking specifically to all two of the non-black listeners out there, that have ever been confronted with the word. Not in passing or in a rap song, but someone actually calling you out. Let it wash over you. Breathe it in like gasoline. Let it ignite you. Think of it as a primer for this podcast, because we will talk about a lot of black shit and issues that are important to the black diaspora. We'll be talking to black men, women, gender non-conforming, as well as queer, LGBTA, all types of folks. We'll be talking with people whose opinions may differ from mine or yours. We'll be talking to a lot of different creative black people because so many people aren't listening. And hopefully, you'll give a little chuckle here and there. It's about to get real, unapologetically black in here. Let's start the show. What's up, everybody? I'm Jason McCoy, and I refuse to let those devils take the word dope from me. That's my word, damn it. Stop saying dope, Dakota. And clean up your fucking uptowns. Air Force One should stay coke white all the time, damn it. Sounds about right. <laughs> and today we are here with Stefan. Stefan, how's it going, man? I
0: don't know who Stefan is, but Stefan's
1: here. <laughs> Ste- Sorry, Stefan. <laughs> it's all good. Stefan, I have so many, like, Stevens, Steffans, and Stefans in my life. I Like, the name gets interchanged in my
0: head, so I apologize for that. It's fine. I recently met someone named Steon, and I was like, "What the fuck?" I was like, "How many, how many variations of this name are gonna happen?" Steon. That's interesting. Yeah, I was like, mm. I was like, I feel like you're missing an F or V, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which like I can only imagine that throughout his life, someone, like, folks have done the same thing they've done with my name, where it's like Ste, Stefan, uh, Stephanie, and I'm just like, ah, oh, fuck it. <laughs> yeah,
1: I. Apologize. I'm and I'll let you know right now. I probably can, like, I probably will fuck it up again and I will try my darndest not to. I have to get all the rest of them out of my head. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Wait, which one I'm talking to? Now I want to see you pronounce my last name. Isn't it Sherlock?
0: Ah, thank God. (laughs) So I can get your last name, but I can't get your first name. (laughs) Uh, Generally, I'll get the like Charlotte. And I'm just like, no. <laughs> so <I'm> like, no. <laughs> or Charlotte. And I'm just like, all right, thank you, Midwestern white man. Like please stop. Just don't say the the last name. You ever get like Charlotte? Yeah, I get I get any variation of it. And I'm but like, I don't know, my dad taught me early on that it's like like a smooth way of correcting people on our last name. Mm. And it's just like it's Charlotte like
1: Merlot,
0: it only gets better with time. (laughs) And I was like seven, like, that's how you say my last name.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was blessed with uh, an easy ass name, Jason McCoy. It's like very standard. Only thing I get like, is like people spelling my name wrong all the time. Actually that's right, that's not correct. I get McKay because I don't know why. But people always wanna say McKay instead of McCoy and it drives me nuts. And then think, when they spell it, it's M-C-C-O-Y or M C K A Y. And like that's a burden I've had to deal with my entire life. I
0: fuck think people me. just big <laughs> correctly. You, yeah. They're just like, I'm gonna read past it and it's like, Oh, but then you're gonna misspell it. Yeah. And
1: well, that fucks me up on checks because like Ooh. if you Yeah, it used to like really fuck me up on checks because like If you get that one teller that's just like, nah, or having a bad day and like they see it's MCC, like they wouldn't cash my check. Oh, wow. I'd have to like either forge it, like, well, no, okay, nope, not forge it. Hold on. (laughs) Allegedly, (laughs) allegedly, (laughs) hypothetically, have to like change the writing on it or just get a new check reissued because they like sometimes would
0: not cash my checks. You know what? Being able to like take a, take those like little photos through the apps it really changed the game of like, putting a check in. Oh, yeah. Just like, y'all know who this is. I wouldn't have access to this bank account if it wasn't... <laughs> like, just the person's got scribbly handwriting. That there wasn't an extra C.
1: Yeah. Thank God for technology, man.
0: <laughs> Here we are. I have to deal
1: with people less. True. All right. So why don't you tell us about yourself and a little about the work that you do? Um, well...
0: What can I say about how wonderful I am? <laughs> um, I, mean, I think you just said it all right there. <laughs> um, I'm a musician, um, singer-songwriter. I, about a year ago, I released my first EP, um, and now I'm currently working on new music that'll be dropping throughout the fall into next year, which is like, things are super weird because like COVID really like changed up my whole release plan around my project. Um, but it's also been a blessing because I feel like I've been able to make some of the best music I've ever written, so I'm just like I get to be sort of like gregariously like picky about everything, mm-hmm. so it's like whether it's like the tempo change or that like my producer fucking hates me, but like <laughs> but like everything comes out so well because I'm just like, no, 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 like put this here, take that out, please little. Um, but like I also like have like to his to his benefit shout out to Arthur, it like everything that I've been getting and everything I've been able to write to um, during this time has just been like really dope. It's been like a cool reflective time. But yeah, like I'm I'm an artist. I make music. Um, I write for other folks. I write for myself, and you know just like branching out and creating a platform, which has been a uh, pretty interesting to do when like it's all you really can do at the moment.
1: Yeah, it's like a a bunch of people who are actually like going through with all these projects that they set forth for each other because it's for themselves because they don't have anything else to do. And this time it's just like you're either in the house or like you are just trapped wherever you are and you have to find
0: something to do or else you go mad. The first like three months of quarantine, I was like, "Ooh, this is great. I, I don't ever want this to leave. And then like month four, I was like, oh shit, maybe I'm not as much of an introvert as I thought I was. <laughs> maybe I like need to like be out doing things. Um so it's been it's been like a wild ride of like self-exploration to be like, yeah, like I enjoy being around folks. Like not too long, but like an hour or two a day, you know, keeps me happy.
1: Right. Yeah, even me, like my introverted, misanthropic ass, is just like I kind of want to be around people right now, and I'm just like,
0: wow, who? This just changed me. I'm I'm a changed man after this. I I think that like what's been really interesting about COVID is that like the only reason why we've survived as like a species for as long as we have is because of community Mm. and the overpowering like work culture in this country and around the world um, have really made us, like, quite individualistic. And also, like, we're, like, always sort of on the burnout. Um, so now in the space where, like, folks have been able to, like, rest and, like, move at their own pace throughout their day, we're seeing what really happens when, like, folks are not just, like, on a hamster wheel. Um, like, whether we're looking at, like, the Black Lives Matter movement and like how massive it's become Um, because like folks don't have to be at work right now. Yeah. Because it ain't safe. So now, and the, the best part about that is like now folks are getting really involved and like really paying attention to what's happening in the world because like it's not that they never knew what was going on but like they didn't have the time because like you couldn't take off your job to like go down to Union Square and join the march. Um, Or by the time you got off work, you'd be fucking exhausted. So it's been quite brilliant and beautiful and like jarring, and I'm also just like, when is this over? Because like I just wanna, I just wanna go outside without a mask. Shit's sweaty. (laughs) Yeah.
1: They like mine. I can't. I can never like find one that fits my face properly. Like just the way like how with how broad my nose is, and then like how small my ears are. Mm-hmm. Nothing ever fits my face the right way. And it, oh, I always end up getting like my
0: ears pinched down. <sighs> yeah, it fucking sucks. Yeah. But, yeah well, you know, you, you just got to start making your own. That that should be your new COVID hobby or making like customized face masks.
1: See, that's the thing. I never got into like, like the construction, like construction using fabrics so or like art with fat using textiles. Like, I never mm-hmm. got into like sewing or anything like that. I try to think once and what ended up happening was me trying to figure out how to how the sewing machine was put together so instead of actually sewing i'm trying to figure out like i'm trying to engineer the shit and just like say like okay so the needle goes down that way and like that became the hobby was figuring out how sewing machines work
0: (laughs) you're like i skipped over completely the production element i was like how does
1: this work i know it's just like why did like my, like, that nerd brain or that engineer part of my nerd brain just, like, kicks in and it's just like, hmm, how does this machine work?
0: <laughs> the fucking struggle.
1: <laughs> so, I'm about to ask you probably one of the most important questions you have ever been asked in your life.
0: Oh, that sounds attractive. Let's do it.
1: Okay. What is the alchemical equation? African fetish you appease, deal with a demon, or just straight-up sorcery? That you use to keep your skin so crisp and shining, <laughs> <laughs> because every
0: picture you like, it is just like, damn. Um, some of it's genetics, because like I like like my grandmother is deep in her seventies, and like still looks still looks like she's like in her like early to mid forties um and like my dad's like the same way like he's like in his like later 40s and like still looks like he's like end of his 20s um i have like a whole skincare regiment now that like i'm getting a little like deeper in my 20s and i'm just like ah mm, i need to uh i need to preserve this um but pretty much it's just like hydration like i have oily skin Mm. like i need to keep it dry and I learned uh, that that is actually incorrect. You need to like moisturize oily skin because the more moisture your skin has and the more locked in it is, the less your um, your skin will naturally produce like overproduce oil. Right. So your skin overproduces oil because it's technically dry. Or mm. in think dry. So when you've moisturized and it's hydrated, it doesn't need to work over time so you don't look oil-slicky. So then after a while, it just starts to look like you just have a natural glow. And that and the power of just, like, really good contour just, like, helps me out. <laughs> it's true. Like,
1: I never, like, really thought about it in that way. It's just, like, your your, your body's trying to help you most times. So, like, when you, like if you're dry, or like your, if your skin is dry, it's saying, like, okay, we gotta do something about this so it goes to produce it. Yeah. No. Oh, well, thanks for sharing that, Ted. i think to put that into yeah. my uh, my baggage, tr- my own bag of tricks.
0: Yes, extra, Oyster- and- are necessary.
1: <laughs> and shout out to like I don't know if it's you or like if you have a production assistant or you have a separate photographer, but shout out to them for like the lighting in all of your fo- in all your photographs.
0: Oh yeah, those are all selfies. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, those are all selfies. Um, thank you. Because like I literally I got bored, and was just like I need something to do every day, and or like do like have like a project per week, right? Mm -hmm. For like so like starting at like the beginning of COVID, um, I was just like using my iPhone. Um, like the first two like photo sets that I have up on my Instagram were just like I was like all right like I'm gonna like get dressed up I'm gonna like do some like wild like eye makeup and just like see what the fuck happens and what's really interesting is that I like it it gave me the opportunity to really push my own limits but like a funny story on like one of the first sets that you can find on there and I think I'm like in like this kind of like robe thing Mm -hmm. um I was trying to get this photo and I didn't have a tripod so I like put my my phone on top of the um, the window platform. And you know, like when you have, like at the top of your window, like there's a bit of space between it and the other window. Yeah. I didn't realize that. So my phone just slid in between and this is February. And like, I just like never take my AC out because I'm lazy. Right. And so like, I'm like shit, 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 shit. Like I'm like, that's a new phone. I need a phone. And I'm, so, like, I'm, like, opening the window, holding the AC down, trying to push my phone <laughs> up. And then all of a sudden, the fucking, <laughs> the fucking AC just, like, pops through my window. Thank God I live on the first floor. Mm. And it's just, like, destroyed. But my phone was saved, all right? And I was able to take more selfies. But, I you know, I was warm. <laughs> yeah. I mean...
1: It's it's the, the, you got to go for what matters in life. First, look, all right. I'm still
0: on that iPhone.
1: Police. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> oh, yeah, you can always get another AC, but iPhones I, no.
0: Exactly, I, and I definitely got another 3 i C. I'm gonna get a tripod so this never happens again. So, I'm a
1: straight dude, straight cis man, mm-hmm. and. I'm a straight cis man that is black. I recognize yeah. the, the privilege that comes with that, mm-hmm. and I don't let the fact that I'm black cloud or dissuade the notion that there's a ton of privilege that I get being just a straight cis man. Yeah. Um, and I feel like things are getting like better, but only slightly. It's like a fraction of a fraction in an increment of an increment, as far as like the relationship in the black community between the straight cis people and hetero, oh, sorry, not hetero, sorry, and uh, queer folk. Yeah. So what do you think is still prevalent in your opinion? What do you think is still prevalent in uh, this divide or this disconnect? that exists between straight and queer folks with certain segments of the within certain segments of the diaspora.
0: Ah, uh, okay. We're going to get into it. Yeah, let's dive right in. So they did like a study a couple of years ago and it's pretty much like one in like 50 or something like that, like some like very spaced out number. Of, like Americans know a trans person mm-hmm. um so like within our own communities right like I oh. like I try to like have as much grace as possible as I can with like my cis heteronormative um brothers and sisters as much as like my patience will allow right right Because <laughs> like, here's the thing like I identify as a cis man but my like I identify with my sex I don't identify gender the same way like I I don't gender for me is like an accessory like Mm -hmm. it's something by day by day like I like whenever people ask me they're like because people are always confused or they're they're always assuming um and I'm just like think prince or think little Richard like I'm very sort of flamboyant like if you look if you squint you're like oh that's a really pretty lady or like if you see me when I'm like out for a run, you're like, oh, who's that guy with the beard? Um, so it's really just like a day-by-day kind of, kind of thing for me. But it's also like both parts of, of, it's me sort of defining or expressing the divine masculine and feminine within me on a day-to-day basis and just being like, I don't really care what people take from this. It's just how I feel comfortable. Um, but what's really crazy is that like the vast majority of homophobia that I've ever experienced has always come from my own community. Mm. I remember being younger and like feeling a real way about that, but then like growing up and and also understanding that like proximity to someone will make that person more or less be the person that you have violent circumstances when I grew up in Bedsty so my boys are black. <laughs> um and it and it hurts when you realize when it doesn't stop into like adulthood where, you know, like I went to I went to a bar that I think is shut down called Casablanca in Bedsty, right? Mm. Their name because like they had like a lot of shit practices and just like a lot of fucked up shit going on. And I remember on one occasion, it was like my birthday, I was like out there with some friends and I hear the bouncer call me it. And I like turned to this like burly black man who's just like talking shit about me, does not, didn't even see me, like see where I was standing, but just like is like going in, right? And this woman, this like, and he's like doing this in front of this like cis black woman like, I guess, trying to, like, you know, I guess down me in order to seem grander. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck you call an it. Um, And then, you know, an argument ensued because, like, I'm always with the shits. And... (laughs) But, like, in those moments, I think that, like, there's layers to it, right? Folks hate what they don't understand. Black folk, especially... Are constantly in the struggle of um, respectability,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but like what's so insane is like the shit that I get like and and there's a class level to it as well. Like the people who dog me out the worst are the folks who, by the standard of respectability politics in the black community we are not on the same level of like white lens digestion. And yet like that's where the abuse comes from. So then, you know, so then you have to then think to yourself, like if this scale, this like respectability politic is hurting both of us. Mm,
1: Yeah,
0: You don't respect me because you think that like, by me even being in existence, by me being here, it somehow denotes your entire existence because if there's a different idea of manhood then like what are you? What are you like what what role do you fill? Right. You know, and then we like look at what has happened historically to black men in this country, between like Reagan economics and like being removed from the homes and all of this sh- and in the prison system um and then so like you have all of these like cis straight black men presumably who are constantly removed from the home who are constantly targeted you have all these things going on with black women and all, all you know the violence and the um the mishandling by the healthcare system and all these things like that and then you have us right and folks want to focus on like it's almost like the like how we have a two party system. We have the Democrats. We have the Republicans. Right. We have men, and then anything that like falls out of like what is supposed to be right in the right in those two party lines is to be ignored because it's almost like if we start paying attention to them and they're not already paying attention to our issues and what the fuck's going to happen. And the sad thing is, is that I boil it all down to your inability to see me as you, to see me as family, to see me as a part of your community is a part of the inherent uh, disillusion that colonialism, racism, and whitewashing has left on the Black community um, that has made us turn rabid toward our own. Um, Trans women, more often than not, especially Black trans women, don't have the luxury of living in, like, a neighborhood as, like, white gays do hell. Black gays generally don't live in neighborhoods. We live, we still live in areas where we are in close proximity to other Black folk. And I don't want my existence to be based around, like, all right, like, I just got to, like, move away from my people. I'm like, no, I just want my people to, like, not try to attack me.
1: Right, and it's so, it's so weird, because, like, you always hear that there's this threat, like threat to to the black community, like homosexuality is a threat to the black community or like being trans is a threat to the black community. And it's just like it's it seems to be such a straw man because gayness was, at least for me growing up, gayness was always associated with being white. Mm-hmm. Like there were no like black men weren't supposed to be gay. Black men were supposed to be strong, Black men were supposed to be leaders of the community. Black men were supposed to bed as many women as they possibly can. Like this there's this hyper masculinity that like um, comes into play. And it you can it dated back to like, you know, when we were first when black people were first bought over as enslaved people, huh. like you know that like the whole idea of like uh, being a, a buck. Or like this, like brutish, big, strong, black beast that would that you had to hide your daughters
0: from, or hide like the, the slave yeah. master's wife or some shit. <laughs> like we were meant for breeding for like a large amount of time, and it's seeped into the consciousness of like that's what we're good for. We're good for fucking and like creating babies and blah blah blah. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm sorry, like me second dick is not is really not what's wrong. <laughs> Like I'm like, I'm sorry, like we got unemployment issues, we got like education issues, like we got we got funding issues, like what I'm like who I'm screwing and how I'm living my life is really like none of your business. And what always boggles me is that no one thinks about gay sex more than straight people. Mm. Like like I'm always just like, I'm like, I literally can, can I've never in my life thought about, hmm. I wonder if they have sex and like how they have sex when like thinking about straight people. Like, I'm like, I don't care what y'all do. Like, I don't wanna know the mechanics. Like, it's not my business. Right. But like, literally, like I've had men be like, you fucking disgusting, you fucking an ass. And I'm just like, okay, first of all, anal's lovely and I'm sure you've tried it. So, <laughs> and, but what I've, what I've also realized is like most of the people who show me like the most like visceral hatred, are the same men that like, especially when I used to work as a bartender and would like come home late. The same niggas that you see on the corner who are like trying to sell like dimes and nickel bags, let it be like three, four o'clock when I'm like coming in from work from like being a bartender. These are the same motherfuckers that are like psst, 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 psst. Ayo, shorty. And I'm like, bro, if you don't get the fuck from around me, I'm like when I walked to work on my way, like when I was walking to work, it was oh look at that faggot. Now it's Hey, what you doing later? And it's like, nigga, if you don't get fucking around me. It's so wild. Because, like, they're like, and, like, these are,
1: like, the, the same dudes that, like, during the day present themselves as being, like, you know, super, like, brolic. But then yeah. when nobody's looking, it's just like, yo, I'm I'm curious. You know, I never had a man suck my dick before. <laughs> and, uh, Continue. Oh, and I was just gonna say, like, and it's it, like, it's just so wild because, like, it's, I mean, twenty twenty is a shit year, but like, it's fucking twenty twenty. Like, I don't understand why we still have to hold on to these like near hotepian ideas of what is blackness and let, uh, like, our whoever
0: genitalia we want to suck define who we are. It's 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 sad, and what's really sad is that like. We have like whole issues in our community where like, we're like sexual abuse from like elders who are like broken from their own lives and all that shit, right? Mm-hmm. We're not focusing on that, but like motherfuckers, we're focused on like who like Uncle Bobby is fucking and like that's not really his roommate, and it's just like, and you know, it boils down to a lot of things. You know, like we black folk have clung on to. Christianity for a real long time, Um, and we have this, this doctrine that was given to us. And like, hey, like, I, you know, it's done a lot for a lot of people, but it's also done a lot of harm to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Those who stand on the damned side of what Christianity has taught our community. And there are those who's, who are still praised for Doing the bare fucking minimum, (laughs) it's, it's kind of insane. Like I, you know, like, or you'll see these, like, uh, I'm gonna say this and I might get in trouble for this, but like, there was an article, um, what was it like two years ago that said the the headline, like, oh, it had the hoteps going crazy. (laughs) It's this straight black men are the white people of black people. Yeah. And when I saw that shit, I literally was like, yup, fucking true. Um, because like the reality is, is like, cis straight black men hold the power in our community. They are the closest in proximity to the white, the white ideal in America. Um, they are the breeders, they are uh, strong and all of these things that like man is supposed to be and blah, blah, blah. And they, and in our community, They tower over women they tower over queer folk they tower over trans people and oftentimes i find myself in a position when like discussing things with like the like atypical egghead like black dude where it's like you don't want equality or liberation or freedom like you just want to be as close to whiteness as possible Mm. and It's very interesting if you really look at the ways in which cis-straight Black men and white women perform um, these really sort of like fucked up acts against Black people consistently, Mm -hmm. like they just link up. Like niggas will cape so hard for a lily white girl who's like being told off by a Black woman, be like, yeah, I had to come at her like that, but like crickets when something has happened to a black woman, like you had whole grown ass men go in and off on Megan Thee Stallion. Right. Mm-hmm. They were like, well, why was she in a car? Why was she hanging out with Tori Lanez?" Blah, 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 blah. Fucking Cameron was like, uh, he felt that dick and that's why he shot her, which is like a whole other conversation about the ways in which black women, black cis women face transphobia. Right. Uh, like, you know, we can uh, see uh, Serena Williams, Angela Bassett, Sierra, who like, they were like a whole three years where everyone was like, she's intersex. But like the word back then was like, she's a hermaphrodite. Like yeah. this constant uh, Tony Braxton, all these like beautiful, incredibly talented Black women who have like fell prey to like this nonsense. Um, So at some point, we just really have to tackle, like if we're really looking at where the power struggle lies, where the issue lies, We it comes with like holding cis straight black men and women accountable for the ways in which they perpetuate white violence against folks who do not fall into the respectability norm. And also like, I'm gonna need niggas to really like look at their lives and be like, I actually am really not like falling into that respectability column, am I? Like I'm like, bro, like if you, if you're on like your, your second prison bed, you pumping like drugs into the community, like get the fuck off my back about sucking dick, because like you are doing a worse job at like destroying the community than I am. Yeah,
1: yeah. So like, there's like clearly detrimental examples, but it's always it's always just like, well, at least I'm not sucking dick, and <laughs> it's <laughs> it's it's like the same paradigm that like um like poor whites put themselves in, where it's just like, well, at least I'm might be poor and white, but at least I'm not black. It's just like, I might be like poor and black, but at least I'm not like gay or
0: trans or what have you. At least I'm not the bottom rung. Right. And that's really what it is. Like it's like for, and especially for cis straight black men, it is, at least I'm not a black woman. Right. Queer or at least I'm not trans. And so far and so forth, you know, like with cis black women, it's at least I'm not a trans woman, at least I'm not gay. And don't even get me started on the ways in which like many black men, cis straight black men like consume lesbian porn, want their women to be interested in like having sex with other women. But then like the second that a dick comes up is, I don't do that. And it's just like, sir, if you don't fucking just, 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 just go suck your best friend's dick. Like we know you, and like you've been staring at him since you were like in middle school. Like go for it because like your anger and your bullshit are like not welcomed. Like get over it. Like we're over it. I mean,
1: yeah, it's true, and like I'm, like I even like I mean, growing up, like I had no other like point of reference. So it's just like I know like just growing up and this is not to say that growing up in like a black community means you grow grow up homophobic but like growing up in a black community uh especially in the way that i did it's just like you never you don't get or you're it's not even that you're not in proximity it's that like at least in like the 80s and 90s it was so down low like it's something that you like really weren't supposed to because you had to survive like that could mean life or death like if you were to like come out as yeah. being gay or like you know trans or what have you and so like growing up like I know I fucked up a, like a ton like I would call like you know friends if they were acting a certain way I know like I would say like I'll stop acting like a faggot you know not knowing even what that word meant or like the, the historical context of that word and um, even up until, like, I was in my early 20s, like, I was still making stupid-ass mistakes for saying, like, um, we went to this one bar, and I didn't know it was a drag night. And so there was a, a drag queen at the front door taking money for our tickets. And I was like, all right, cool. So she gave me... I gave her money, she gave me the ticket, and I said, oh, thanks, sir, because, like, I... And it wasn't like a form of disrespect. I wasn't intentionally trying to disrespect her. It's just mm-hmm. that I was, I called all men, sir, all men that I didn't know that were older than me, I called them sir and I called them um, women, ma'am, because that's just like how I was, you know, raised to be polite. Yeah. And so I saw that like their expression was just like, what the fuck?
0: Yeah.
1: And my expression was like, what the fuck (laughs) like what's wrong right it's just like what and so like I went throughout the rest of that night thinking just like you know like really I wasn't like really thinking about it but like in the back of my head it's just like why did they like make a face at me like I'm not homophobic or anything like that like why are they like you know and then it took me like a couple of conversations with a friend and roommate to think like oh
0: shit I don't know shit. <laughs> yeah, like, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And like that's it's it's interesting because like look, like growing up, like I remember there was like before I knew what trans was, there was the the first trans person I had ever known was a heroin addict who lived in my building. Mm. And I remember like feeling so disgusted by her and you know that can come for a number of reasons the fact that she was a drug addict the fact that she was trans but like namely the fact that she was trans and on top of that the fact that she was trans and wasn't what one would consider beautiful right Mm -hmm. because being able and like even just like learning discussions around passing outside of the context of like being able to pass for white has been like really interesting for me because there are like, I operate in this really interesting space of gender where they're like, most of the time I'm chilling, I just got like my fro out and I'm just, you know, whatever. like And then when I go out or I'm like on a date, like there are many times where like, I'm completely done up and you know, what, what so have you. And what I've learned in like maybe the last year is that like, I not for nothing have like a decent amount of like passing privilege mm-hmm. where if I didn't tell someone that I identified as he, a lot of people are going to. A lot of people are going to assume that I identify as she, and moreover, some people are going to assume that I am cis, right? And that comes with a great amount of privilege because when I go into spaces and I'm in a dress and I'm having a full beat and I'm just like living my life, no one's really hackling me. And then, at the same note, in those moments, there comes a fear because, like, it's like if, if I'm out with my friends and like they know me and like I'm used to the Arab like he and whatever, but then in these spaces where I don't know everybody, that I'm just like change the pronoun that you're using for me because like I don't know who the fuck is around me. Mm. I don't know who call me when I go to the train. Um, but like we grow and we learn and but like back to this woman, like I remember I was like walking down the stairs. In like the hallway, and I like caught. Her. This is such a like '90s Brooklyn situation because like motherfucker just pissing in the hallway of the building. Um, but she was peeing, and I saw her her penis, and I was just like, so I like ran back upstairs like, what the fuck did I just see? And I and it's so funny because like my mom is is interesting. Like I wouldn't say she is homophobic or transphobic, but I definitely believe there've been times when she was ignorant. Um, that marred my own view of myself. But I remember, like I'll never forget like the way that she like ripped me a new asshole for judging that woman. Like she was like, she's like, you're too fucking judgmental. Like everybody's gotta pee, (laughs) like Mm. simple. But I was like, but it it really at that moment, this whole, this almost like Maury-esque view of trans people that had like seeped into so many of our consciousness where it's like, that's a man Maury. Like it left me at that moment, I was like, she's a person. And like, you know what? It was a dark hallway, I should have knocked, who knows? But after that, like my view of people started changing my ability to grasp um, identities that existed beyond myself, started to change and I started to change as well because I was like, I don't think that anyone really can live up to these ideas that we have around gender. Like I was never the fastest or the most athletic. I was always like soft-spoken and like constantly as a, as a kid, like being mistaken for a little girl. And I would like hate it. And then I, I, as I got older, I was like, why do I hate it? And then I realized that it's because like, we're subconsciously taught that girls are weak and I felt weak. So I hated the idea that everyone would ever think of me as something that, they deemed weak and now as like a grown person i'm just like i'm like the strongest bad bitch i know
1: hey you gotta claim it ain't (laughs) (laughs) luck. and on that note we will take a short break and be right back welcome back everybody so now i'd like to talk about your music a little bit because like I remember when I first found out that you were making music, I don't know if it was you that told me or like mutual friend, Lisa, that told me that you were a musician, but I remember thinking like, and it's the same way. I think when anybody that I know tells me that they mu- make music, I'm like, all right, but do they like actually make music or are they fucking around? Yeah. You know, <laughs> so I was just like, okay, cool. And then, I forgot the name of the track, but, like, I remember hearing, like, the first track of yours, and I was just like, oh, shit, this is dope. And this was, like, years ago. Like, I don't even know how many years ago, but, like, it was a long time because I was living in, like, living in New York then. Yeah. Um. And then, like, like we kind of, like, sort of fell out of communication, and I didn't, I hadn't heard anything you had produced, like, in a while. And then I was on Instagram, and... You popped up in my feed. I don't, the algorithm gods were just like, Jason, you need to hear this. So you popped up in my feed and it was here, your song here that popped up. I was just yeah. like, oh, I didn't remember him. Like, he makes, all right, <laughs> I'm gonna fuck up the name. I'm trying not to fuck up the name. It's not <laughs> Stefan. It's Stefan. Yeah. Okay. So Stefan makes like dope shit. Let me check out some, like, this new track he's got. So. I played it and I was just like, holy fuck. <laughs> this is dope. So it spoke to me on wild levels. Um, first like the musicality and the technicality behind it is fucking gorgeous. Like it's like an amazing song, like just like put together so well. And then I was like thinking about the themes, especially at the time that it was released. So was that part of a strategy or was it happenstance
0: that you released here when you did? So it's actually kind of interesting, right? So like here was like a risky track for me, <laughs> um, simply because like I generally don't make, like it's it's fairly pop leaning, right? And that's like not generally my shtick, but like I've been, I'm always like playing with genre. Like my, my favorite artists are always, people who like don't stay in one lane. Like I love a Khalees, I love um, a Rihanna, I love a, a Grace Jones, I love Frank Ocean. Like I love people who like can't really be defined or settled into one uh, box. And I wrote here back in April and forgot about it. Um, I would got sent a bunch of beats by like this producer, um, Layard Music, and I was like, oh, I don't know what's going on here. and. It just happened to be one of the beats that like I really liked. Um, And I think I wrote the song in like 10, 15 minutes. Um, I was just like hearing the beat. And as I was writing, it was almost like, I was like looking at the world and I was like, yo, like everything is so crazy. And like, what, what would I want to leave behind if like all this shit just ended. Like if the, if the aliens finally came or an asteroid finally hit or a nuclear bomb went off, like, who knows? Like, and I think that like all humans um, want to be respected and loved and revered and we all want to rise up for what we deserve. And here for me was just like, if I leave one thing behind, I just want somebody to know that I was here, you know? Because like in the grand scape of things, like, there are people before like recorded history that like, will never know what they did. Um, and I think that like, we just don't wanna be erased. We don't want our stories to be erased. Um, so I wrote here just about like that feeling and it, it happened to work out that when it came out, um, it sort of synced up with everything else that was going on in the world. But here it was just kind of like, like if I like if I had to leave a love letter behind to like my existence and the things that i felt and the love that I've had and the things that I've lost and the experiences that are just immeasurable, here was just like the simplest way to just like explain it. Be like you know, like I the my favorite line in the song is, um, "And we'll fight if we need to, watch it burn if we need to."
1: Yeah, and I thought that was like so apropos to the times because like if it's that line specifically was the line that was just like yes like if we need like we'll just watch this whole shit just burn to ash if we need to and like you i mean people are going to take it like in different ways but like that's how i took it i was just like like we're here now and now is like this tremendous time of change and you know, sometimes with change, it's like a phoenix, you just have to watch it burn to death before something new and beautiful can grow.
0: Yeah. And I love sort of leaving some of my songs, like, open-ended because I want people to attribute their own meaning and their own feelings to things, right? Mm. Like, once I, once I put my art into the world, like, it's mine in the way that, like, I made it, but, like, it's yours in the way that you get to decipher or feel... connected to whatever you want it to feel like um i think that's like the beauty of being an artist is that like a lot of the shit that we create especially like as a musician like there are things that i've written and like someone will have a completely different understanding of it and i'm just like and it's valid like i'm like if that's what you felt when you listened to it that's it as long as you don't go this is a rally for the kkk because in that moment you got me fucked up right That's the only time that I'd be like, ah, never
1: that. Yeah, it's a powerful song. Like, i really, like... And I'm looking up the other track that was dope. Was it... Yeah, Closure.
0: Ah, yes, Closure.
1: Yeah, so I didn't get a chance... Because I had clicked on the wrong link. Or I think it was, like, an old link. So I didn't get a chance to actually watch the video. I've only seen the thumbnail of the video. But could you, like... it? I remember seeing like a small clip on Instagram about mm-hmm. Closure. So, as someone who's about to listen to Closure after we finish speaking, um, what is Closure about? And like, could you explain like the visuals?
0: Yeah. Okay. So, Closure. God. Well, wow, I really wrote that song like, a, oh, yeah, a year ago, um, more than a year ago. So I was like going through. Like a situationship breakup. Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Yeah, like, it's, it's like, like we weren't really together, but we were together. Mm-hmm. And I just like remember, like, feeling so just kind of like lost in that situation. Like, it was just like, yo, like, what the fuck? Like, I'm dope. So, like, I know it's not me. Um, <laughs> and I just kind of, I started writing and I was just like, you know, when, when you start to think about the past or like the good times in a relationship, like the, one of the, start, the starting line in um, Closure is like, on the way down, I caught you stealing glances. On the way down, um, you held me like you do. You fooled me like you do. And I was just like, yo, like, I really care about you, but like, you send me all of these sort of like mixed signals and now it's like done. And like, I'm left with like all of these sort of unanswered uh, questions. And I think that like closure is like the greatest lie that we've ever told ourselves. Mm. Like, like I'm going to get closure. And like nine times out of 10, you just want someone to tell you that you didn't waste your time. Right. And no one could really do that for you. Like, if you break up with someone, they can't be like, it wasn't a waste of time. I loved you. And it's just like, that's the only way I waste my time. Um, <laughs> it's just like, because like motherfuckers are really like boldly standing in your face and be like, yeah, like it was great. And like, it was wonderful. Like we weren't a waste of time, we were golden. And it's like, well, nigga, if we were this great. <laughs> why are we still <laughs> <why so> together? <laughs> precisely. And um, so when we get to the visuals, right? I worked with Cake um, Room Media, uh, a bevy of like incredible models who are like doing their thing. Shout out to them. Um, a really, really great team. Um, shout out to the director Janavi Sanchez, who's a good friend of mine. Um, which is like, he like just to, just to, like a, a pat on the back to him and to like into you into like a lot of the great sort of um, cis straight men of color who are in my life, who I like feel safe around. We like, I went to him with the idea and I was like, yo, I want to make this video and it's going to be a little salacious and like, it's going to be a little sexy mm. and I need someone who can like do it. And he was just like, you know what? Fuck it. Like I got you. And the, like, the video, like within like 30 seconds of the video, I'm like in a bed with like eight men who are half naked. And like, that was because like my way, especially early on in my twenties of like getting over a relationship was like, you know, the whole, like, the best way to get over someone is to get under someone else, someone new. Mm -hmm. So this entire, so the whole video sort of set up on the idea of like, I'm, trying to fill this hole in me and the ghost of my ex is continuously coming up i'm seeing him in the room when i'm going to parties i'm remembering our last argument i'm and i'm still trying to fill the space where he should be with new people and it was really important to me that there was all of this sort of um diverseness in like the type of men that we were using and like well no, I feel like I'm using diverse diversity incorrectly. I wanted it to be real black. Mm. So like, like and it's really funny when like as a black person, like you have to say diversity for blackness. No, like yeah, like real all these beautiful shades of brown. There were uh Latinx men, there were um black and brown and mixed folk and shout out to Tim, the only white guy in the video. Um to Tom. My bad. And it was was dope because like we I, I spent decent amount of coin making that video because i wanted my first video to like look like something and i was able to really explain like this sort of queer person's journey of experiencing heartbreak and trying to just like get over it um and it's hard that like sometimes you just like push yourself before you're ready to let go of something um but oftentimes you just got to get back on the horse and get the fuck out there.
1: Right. It's just some, it's like themes that's just like so relatable. Cause like, I remember like there was a, there was like a period after I broke up with like, um with an ex and the shit, it just seemed like, like the shit was so passionate and the shit was so real. And then Mm -hmm. we broke up and yet they still wanted to keep in contact with me. I'm just like, no, you can't do that. Like we can't do that, because like if we stay in contact, we might as well just be the fuck together. We're never gonna like be able to like move on. And so like it kind of sort of never closed. and we became friends a- after a- an extended period of time, but it took that space in order for us to become friends.
0: and it's and I feel like we often don't give ourselves like the grace to be like, let me like mourn this relationship. Yes, like a die in my mind. Um, And, like, I've been guilty of it where it's, like, it didn't work out, but, like, in, like, a week later, we're, like, having drinks as friends. And I'm just, like, and then, like, a week after that, we're back in each other's beds, but we're not back together. And then it becomes this really sticky situation where it's, like, okay, so, like, you want all of the perks of being with me without being with me. Mm. So, like, at point, like, is it you don't want to be responsible to me? or Or, like, do you just, like, fucking? Because... Jesse Reyes has a really dope song um, called "Fuck Being Friends," and she she says this line where she goes, um, "She's like, why is that, huh? My pussy beat better than my heart do." Uh. Every time I hear that line, I'm just like, "Yes, CC all of my exes, like <laughs> all you motherfuckers, like what." Like, what the hell? But then, you know, you, like, have to, like, blame yourself for, like, being stupid and allowing someone to, like, utilize your body while, like, being haphazard with your feelings. Mm. But shit happens.
1: Yeah, shit does happen. And it's, like, funny, like, also interesting that you mentioned in, like, you know, how you're in the bed with all the men, because... Whenever I heard, heard your music, before seeing any visuals, like, any at all, like, for some reason, I just uh f- get these images of bodies contorting mm-hmm. and writhing. Like, that's the, like, every song, like, from the beats to your vocals, I just get this, like, contortion and writhing. Even when I heard here, it made me think of, like, two hands, like, two black hands just, like Im- like, holding each other, intertwined, like, the fingers were intertwined. But, like, there was that, like, strain and writhing. Kind of, like, almost like the hands were knotted together. Yeah. Um. And, I mean, I don't know if that's what you were going for or not. But, like, that's just how the feeling I get. So, by you, like, you know, with the visuals and closure, it kind of just, like, all goes, like, with that feeling that I get from listening to your music.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what it is? It, it, it's kind of funny. I get this, like, note a lot from, like, different... Um, artists and producers that I work with or people who listen to my music is that like my voice is very naturally like quite sensual. Mm. So it's like, regardless of what I'm singing, there's always like, it. it, I feel like, this is going to sound really weird to say about myself. I am naturally a very sort of like, I kind of like dribb sensuality. So like my presence is very just like, "Mm," like, you know, and people would people often read into that in the wrong ways, mm. but it reflects in my music. So even things that are really sort of thought provoking, there's always like, just like that little ooze of like, mm. and I don't know how that happened, but I guess it's just like, I guess it's just a part of my personality and it's colored and texturized my voice that way. Um, I also have like, uh like a raspy tenor voice so it's like it's smooth but there's also like this grit behind it um so i think that that's like it affects the inflection and the way that it gets processed by folks but like honestly like if if you think that like this last project was like sexy (laughs) when when this new music comes out i'm like i'm taking it there yes oh
1: i'll be waiting for it And hopefully, everybody listening will also be waiting for it. Um. So, like this, also, like so, with the visuals that we just discussed, and like you know the like topics that we've been talking about, it kind of made me think about like um just art in general and why we express ourselves in the way that we express ourselves. So, when everything I create is kind of um, it's sort of a way for me to process my mental health and like past trauma trauma rather mm-hmm. uh like and i've like found ways it's taken me forever and it's still a process that i go through i found ways that like access that trauma and my like uh, mental health i've been diagnosed with a major depressive disorder and i have wild anxiety mm-hmm. um so like it goes through this kind of like funnel, then runs through this machine that's in my head, it gets grind through gears and like goes through all these different processes to like produce this really strange looking glitchy like CRT art, because that's kind of like how I see things and how I process information is really glitchy. Um, So what processes do you go through to produce like the music that you produce or like any type of art that you produce when you're, whether it's writing or whether it's uh, the coming up with the concept for videos or helping other artists get their uh, design and branding going?
0: Um, it's it's pretty interesting. My mind is a battlefield. <laughs> um, I think that like the process for me like is different for everything, right? So like when I'm making music it's really just like I tap into so easily my experiences. Like, I think I remember, I think that I remember, I remember emotions very vividly. And I tie emotions to a bunch of different things. Like, it's almost like if everything was cataloged in my brain, like, there's the happy folder, there's the like, oh, that sex was really great folder, there's the like, you know, depression folder. And, When I'm writing, I just kind of think back to something, unless it's like super fresh. Um, And sometimes things are just like overwhelmingly on my mind. And the only way for me to be done with it is to write about it. Um, I find writing to be incredibly cathartic. Like once I write a song about someone or about something, it's kind of done for me. Like I don't have to deal with it anymore. It's no longer weighing on my spirit. I'm just kind of like, all right. Well, that's over um and then like with like branding stuff right like when i'm like doing things with like hello sugar um it's always it's like one of my favorite things to do because it has nothing really to do with me especially when i'm working for other clients it's just like i kind of gear in i meet up with my business partner rodrigo who like does the visuals and i do like all the creative direction um for every project that we work on and I like, sit with the client and I'm just like, all right, what do you want to say? And then like they'll give you like whatever they're able to really come up with. And then I'm like, all right. And this is how we can take that further. This is how we can really build upon that idea, for, whether it's a logo or cover art or um, a campaign direction. It's just really fun to help others delve deeper into their own sort of creative psyches and into their own experiences to really create um, a brand narrative. Um, so that's always been dope. But like my, the way that like art processes for me is that it's, it's always tied to the way that I feel about things. I guess it's very like Scorpio of me. Like I'm very, i and I'm very like oh, like I'm emotional, blah, blah, blah. Um, and like, I'm not outwardly emotional. Like I've never been like a, like a hysterical person so it's just, but like on the inside, I'm like uh, be going through it. <laughs> <laughs> but like that's 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 how I do it. I just kind of, just tap in, um, and I think that's been the the greatest blessing. Is that like I remember the way that things feel very vividly, and that's why it reflects in my work. Um, the ability to really translate feeling into a medium.
1: And I feel like it's like um. I don't want to say it's a talent because it seems like it's just more than that. It's like a skill or just being able to tap into those emotions. It's something that a lot of people in the, or end up going into the creative field because they're able to tap into like emotions. And I feel like many others, not to say that they're not creative, but it's just, when you're an artist, you have to be willing to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. when you're like a person in a creative industry you have to be willing to be vulnerable and like open and like really like put your insides out because you're constantly being looked at and critiqued and like it takes its it takes its toll and it's something that like i don't think a lot of people realize like i i speak ad nauseam on mental health in the black community um, i'm somewhat of an advocate and a lot of uh, art that i do um especially like art installations is around mental health specifically in communities of color, the black community, Latinx community, etc. Yeah. And um so like Kanye West recently had a very public breakdown and I think he might still be going through it. Mm-hmm. Um where a lot of people laughed at it and just chalked it up to like, oh that's just Kanye being Kanye. For me it was more like, nah, this is like this looks serious. Like this is something that he sh- he needs to be called in for because he's... Yeah. He, I don't think he's well. Like, I really just don't think he's well. And as somebody who has attempted suicide, as somebody who's, like, done drugs to escape, like, reality. Yeah. Really. Like, I can Like, I notice... I can see the signs. Like, I notice certain behavior, certain things. He says, even when he said that wild shit about um, slavery being a choice... I was like, that's not, those aren't the words of a well person.
0: Now, mm-hmm.
1: I, on the other hand, I don't excuse that. Like, I would never excuse that behavior. And that's why it's like a tricky balance, because it's just like, he, how much of it is mental health and how much of it is him being an asshole? So, it, sorry.
0: No, it's it's a very, it's it's a hard line.
1: Yeah, and so it's just like, How do we, like, how do we address, like, or how can we bring more awareness to mental health in terms of artistry, like, becoming an artist? Because I think many artists are going through, like, some mental health shit. Mm -hmm. And then also, how do we, like... So how do we bring awareness to it? And, like, how do we also, um, like, rectify
0: the crimes against Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's real, right? Because like Kanye over the last couple of years like went from being like a hero in my head to like, oh my God, can somebody just put this in a straight jacket? But I feel like there's a certain level of grace that I like to show to folks who are really struggling. But at the same time, if you're struggling and not going to get help, it's only gonna get worse. And especially when you're doing things that are detrimental to our communities, like it's like, like who could step in? Um, but I think having the conversations are important because Kanye is really forcing a lot of people to look at the Kanye's in their own families, right? Because like when I look at Kanye, I think of my aunt who passed away a year ago, who, she was like the model of the good black girl. She, was educated. She had a really nice cushy job at a law firm. She was on her way to getting a promotion. And now after she's passed away, we all sort of have these different experiences and memories of her and her mental health throughout the years. Um, Some remember her having postpartum depression through all three of her children. Some only remember with her last child. Which like we all were like that was the breaking point, like that's where the psychosis came in. But like she had always been quite withdrawn. And like my family is like incredibly Caribbean, right? So like my mom on my mom's side, we're Jamaican, Panamanian, Cuban, on my dad's side, we're Haitian and Dominican. And mental health isn't something that's like often talked about. And like now, as like the years have gone by, like we all really sort of like try to check on each other's mental because we realize like Shit's, shit's real and like we're all going through things as like as a survivor of suicide myself um as a survivor of like depressive episodes i get it and but i also think that like uh, we have to i'm really big on accountability at what point is too much grace um and like just a side note like kanye west and Azalea Banks like registers like the same person for me. <laughs> and what's so like incredibly talented, incredibly destructive. Mm. And but like the major difference is we have never shown Azealia Banks the same amount of grace that we've shown Kanye West. Um, and all of the whack wild shit that, that he has said. Because like she's trust me, she said some. Some fucked up things she's done. Some fucked up things, but like also like humanity and humans like we've all done shit that like we're not proud of, um, and especially when you're manic and you're constantly delving into these highs and lows and career issues and, and isolation. For the amount of ta- like, if we're if we're if we're going off of the excuse of well, Connie's talented. Well, like so is Azealia Banks. Like yep. there's there's very few. Uh, MC's woman or man or in between who can go toe-to-toe with her on a mic. And yet we just like relegate her, uh, bash her, ugly, stupid, black bitch, blah, mm-hmm. blah. But like Kunye <laughs> is, <laughs> I got hats, yelling at black women who show up to his rallies to ask him serious questions. And while I'm out and then having an episode and it's like, we're supposed to coddle him, but we don't coddle her. Right. Um, so like there's a mixed messaging because everyone's like, where's the grace for Kanye and his mental episodes. I'm like, where's the grace for like any of the black women who's like, like, when Lauren Hill was going through it, niggas was just dogging her. Like it mm-hmm. show up late like, to everything. Like, yeah, depression will do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. You barely be there, but you got bills to pay. Um, so it's just, like, I think the larger sense of it is, like, we need to have grace for people who are struggling. We need to have grace for everyone. We need to understand that, like, especially within our own community, we need to stop looking at each other as disposable. Um, I don't believe in cancel culture. I believe in accountability culture to a degree because Jeffree Star is still canceled. Um, Mm. but, you know, I'm, I'm. Look, I'll I'll name my prejudice. I am quicker to cancel problematic white folk because the world won't cancel them. Um, even though even if my little black ass is like fuck that person. Um, which is it, very telling because like the shit that like the shit we the shit we've cancelled Azealia Banks for, Jeffree Star is done times ten.
1: Yeah, Jeffree Star is yeah, that's a whole other can of worms. Like that yeah, that kid like uh, if it's like, how much more can you
0: take of him, of them? Like, none. none, nothing. I have nothing left. Um, but like, we, but we don't, but like, all of the grace, like, there's constant, like, you say something about him, like his fans on Twitter, Will be all up in your comments. Like, he said that when he was like 21, like, you need to get over it. He's apologizing. Like, apology without action means nothing. Right. It's
1: just fucking empty. It's like blank check. It's empty checks because, like, what the fuck, like, all the, and then the, the fucking, like, black scent shit and, like, all that shit. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like, he should have been dumb, but of course, like, he, I don't know. Like, yeah, but, we can go off on, like, that too. Sorry, go on.
0: I don't know. But, but like, that's, that's the thing. Like, we we have so much grace for whiteness and we have so much grace for cis black malehood but we don't extend that grace to black women we don't extend that grace to um black women of all experiences trans and cis queer folk we don't and i think until we do we can't even begin to have the conversations around our mental health because we live in a culture within our own homes, our own communities of, like, being disposable. And it boils back down to, like, our obsession with being respectable. And then who we deem respectable. And then who we deem can get another chance.
1: Right. And God forbid you're a darker-skinned Black person. It just oh. makes it infinitely worse.
0: Oh, yeah. They as, like, a dark-skinned queer person navigating this industry, I'm constantly on my toes, standing firm, but at the same time, like, I know that, like, there's certain shit that, like, if I say it versus if, like, someone that I like, uh, like, Amanda Seals, right? Mm. And a Seals says it, like, I've been out in my head, and I want to say it too, and I have the education to back up what i what i would say but they already canceling her and she like bright so like <laughs> <laughs> right and they cancel her for being completely fucking honest about like the ways in which like black men act in utilitarian tit- titili- ways toward our own community they cancel her for not backing down and not like Uh, biting her words and mincing her words uh, to appease white folk. And it's hard because it's like, yo, like I should be able as an artist to speak on exactly what is happening around me. Mm -hmm. And, but like that grace does not extend. Like when we talk about grace in the black community, we know like the buck stops at black men through the shade range, black women on the lighter spectrum, Queer and trans people, if you got money to a certain degree. Mm. But don't make for your because you, you'll you still get cancelled. They're still trying to cancel India more for like, bringing context to the ways in which we are like harmful and disastrous to our own people. Yeah. It's absurd.
1: Yeah, and shout out to them. Like, like I follow them on Instagram and it's like, it feels like a like a lesson every time. <laughs> every time yeah. I go to their feed, it's just like, oh, learn something new today. Yeah,
0: they're they're really doing the work, and it's and it's crazy because it's like they by the standards of the society that we live in, right? They're on like they've got the modeling career, they're on television, they're doing film. They. The way in which society and like our individualistic society is saying we should move, they should be like, fuck all that. I'm good. I'm not interested in like helping nobody out. Bye, bye bajos. That's y'all issue, right? But the fact that they still remember what it was to be of a trans experience in their youth and in their adulthood and to be poor in that Mm. and in that, um, is important because that that colors so much of why it is that they haven't given up on the communities that they come from and the people that they come from. But like, we are very quick to erase folks. And I think that that's a really big issue because it's like, don't erase me, hold me accountable. And then and in that accountability, I will do the work to be better. Um. And when you show me grace, you allow me the space to be better. Like, I can't speak for what is the best way for Kanye West to get help with his mental issues, because Kanye, I believe, is diagnosed by this point. Um, His partner has obviously been trying to get him medicated and get him the help that he needs. But if he doesn't want it, you can't you can't do anything about it. My my schizophrenic aunt for like the last maybe five years of her life just pretty much sat on the couch, gorging herself every day. Mm. Taking her medication. And and like I remember just kind of like looking at her every time I would like stop by my grandparents' house and just like watching her kind of disappear. And she ended up passing away from uh fibroids which affect black women massively um her fibroids like ruptured and it just like killed her instantly um but like she, and she suffered from schizophrenia with um, grandiose disorder so like for a woman who was quite accomplished her mind was one day she was a lawyer the next day she was a doctor the next day she was a judge like that was and that was just where her mind was um that's how she coped with the experiences in the life that sort of fallen apart into pieces that she couldn't quite piece back together um and i don't know if i was always the most like graceful toward her and i think that i've learned through her passing that like i should extend more grace and don't get me wrong she made it hard because like she was an asshole but you know so are a lot of people and We're just quicker to write them off if their mind isn't well.
1: Yeah, I think that's an important takeaway. It's just like, uh, to always at least be open to showing grace. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's difficult as fuck with a lot of people, but I mean, we all come from different places. We all have different, a different set of trauma that we carry with us and that's embedded in our DNA. So at least make the attempt to show grace to somebody, but also um, show accountability and fuck Jeffree Star. Luck, <laughs> <Look>, period. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. And I want to let you know, um, before I forget, and before we like close this out, I want to let you know that you were part of the reason... Um, that this podcast that this podcast exists, because um, I, I remember hearing here, and then I saw when you did the Instagram takeover for I can't remember that outlet. That's spicy Z. Spicy. So like I saw when you did the Instagram takeover for them, and like my gears started turning, and I was just like, yes, black queer musician artist that does dope shit and is not afraid to talk about how dope they are. This is like a podcast. This is a platform. And so I wanted to give you your flowers and tell you, uh, basically, thank you for your existing because you really inspired me to like start What Is Black as a platform to get like just voices that don't normally get out, get them out there. Well,
0: wow a thank you i'm very honored to have been a part of the the process of creating this um this is dope and i think that you're like you're gonna do really really well with this i believe that like we uh need to create more spaces that are spearheaded by us Mm. uh, reflect us and there's such wealth and brevity and talent within our community and that like needs to be extended because like there's so many voices and so many so much talent that like people just don't know about, um, and I'm just I'm great. I, you know, it's it's funny like when when you hit me up, I was like, yo, I was like, yo, I really go like way back with this guy, like McKibben Lofts way back, um, and like I was like, oh, oh my god, I was really up in McKibben Lofts, like <laughs> as- <laughs> like going into bars with y'all, like I was like 17. Anybody know? <laughs> I was just like yeah yeah I'm Um, (laughs) grown, and it's funny to kind of be here years later from like being that kid that was like yeah I make music to like now like really putting music out and doing shows and working with other artists and working on different projects I'm just grateful and I thank you so much for allowing me the time to get up on this platform
1: no doubt so before we go I want you to take the time now to plug or promote anything you got going on or let us know like if there's some shit that we should be up on
0: yeah definitely um i currently have a single out uh that you guys have heard about called here um it's available on all streaming platforms my name is stefan charlotte s-t-f-o-n-c-h-a-r-l-o-t um you can find me on at instagram um at stefan x charlotte Um, I think it's the same thing on Twitter. Uh, you know, I'm funny. (laughs) (laughs) I post really nice photos. Um, I've got new music coming out probably like the end of October, beginning of November. Um, I'm going to be dropping a couple singles into the new year and then all culminating into a new EP coming out early next year. And that's what I got going on.
1: Cool. Dope. So, Stefan, I want to ask you one last question before we go. Okay. What
0: is black? Mm, I like this question. Um, what is black? Black is. Black is massive and it is beautiful and it is dysfunctional and it is traumatic and it is lovely and it is real and it tethers so many together um, all from different walks of life and different schools of thought and different religions but what we have in common is our unified desire to be liberated and free and to be seen as whole folks and we exist both within the confines of the white lens and outside of it because we're quite frankly, we are too massive. Black is innovation and is the only thing that really makes <laughs> pop culture worth a damn.
1: Well said. All right, thanks for participating and being on this episode. I really enjoyed this conversation. And like, I mean, like a lot of people say this shit, but like I learned shit. You know, so thank you again, Um, and hopefully, like we can speak again and expound on other things because I would love to like get into like colorism and that cross section of colorism as it relates to the music industry and all that shit. But we don't have the time right now, so (laughs) (laughs) it'll definitely be something we touch on in the future. Alright, thanks. I'm gonna let you go. I will keep talking. Have a good one. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the What Is Black Podcast. I'm a coi creative project. For more information and bullet notes that provide deeper context, check out the field notes on whatisblackpodcast.com. Your support is always much appreciated. So if you want to toss us a few dollars to keep this going, visit kofi.com slash what is black podcast. That's Kofi spelled K O. Hyphen-fi.com/slash/what-is-black-podcast. If you don't have the loop, that's cool. Support us by sharing this with your people, following us on Spotify, or rating us five stars on Apple Podcasts. If you drop us five stars, we might just shout you out and answer your general questions on Black Artness. If you need to contact us, hit us up at whatisblackpod at gmail.com. That's whatisblackpod at gmail.com don't include the cast or on Instagram at what is black podcast include the cast there so that's what is black podcast and as a prophet and scholar Wesley Snipes once said always bet on black peace